Hi, Editing Alex here. Unfortunately, there have been a couple of audio editing issues with the show this week. Uh, there's a little bit of echo on me and Dom and Alex sometimes that can be picked up sometimes. And some people might be a lot louder or quieter than others. I'm really sorry about that. I haven't had the chance to fix these issues in post. But I hope you can enjoy the episode anyway. You are wise. Hello and welcome to Beautiful Pod, the show where we have terrible football opinions so you don't have to. I'm Alex Towles and this week I'm joined by Dom Smith. Hello, I'm Dom. You can find me on Twitter at MrDomSmith and online at EnglandFootball.org. Alex Woodward. Hello, I'm on Twitter at AlexWoodward29, I think, and on the sportsblitzblog.wordpress.com. And Harry Dennis. I'm Harry. You can't find me on Twitter. I'm just that popular. But you can also find me at the uh, the sportsblitz.wordpress.org, that website he said earlier. <laughs> and you can follow me on Twitter at Alex Towels or our URY overlords at URY1350 and at URY News. This week, we've got three things to discuss. We've got a quiz from our friend Alex Woodward coming up at the end of the show. Uh, we're also going to be going through our Carers teams. We've devised our own Carers team formula. But first, we need to talk about the big news of the week, which is immediately going to date this show, because the Premier League is coming back. 17th of June is the start date. Thoughts? Sheffield United versus Aston Villa. Cannot wait. <laughs> That's going to be an absolute cracker. The BBC, I think, has got um, four games, which I know, considering we've played like 29 match days, isn't much. But four games of live Premier League football for the BBC is four games more than they've ever had before. So I think they should take that. I'm pretty sure they've got the Merseyside derby, actually. I didn't know the BBC were getting no, it. No, I think Sky have it free to air. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the case as well. But the BBC are genuinely getting four Premier League games from mm. to, from now to the end of the season, and one of them is the Merseyside derby. So that's pretty good. Hmm. Look forward to watching that without having yeah. to have Sky because I, I mean the best. I think the best yeah, thing I is. I think as well. Oh, sorry. Uh, I think no, as okay, well so... that um, if Man City lose, then the Merseyside derby is for Liverpool to win the league. If I'm correct. Ooh, yeah, that could be, which would right. be very interesting. I think that would right. be painful. Is that is that at Goodison Park as well? I it would be, wouldn't it? Because I think the first yes, it one was would be. Yeah. at Anfield. Oh, yeah. that could be a, such that an would insult. Be fun. That would be such an insult to Evertonians. Yeah. You get the mayor of of Liverpool literally saying you can't play that game. He's <laughs> just so determined that Liverpool don't win the league. Um, but I think the, one of the good things is that they are stopping the three o'clock blackout um, because oh you know they want people to be able to watch football because we haven't been able to for so long. So they're going to air the games that are at three o'clock. And Sky Sports Mix, I believe, is the channel it's going to be on where you can pick and choose which games you'll be watching at the three o'clock kickoff time. And I think that might be here to stay as well. I think the three o'clock blackout might not ever return. I hope so. Mm. I mean, the fr- it would certainly it. make our lives easier on a beautiful game. <laughs> it would. Um, it's it's good for the EFL because I think it does mean that you can watch Leeds United every Saturday afternoon. But um, it's yeah, it's a bit iffy for other fans who can't afford to go get a ticket for their team to go watch them all the time. And let's say you are a 
Ooh, I don't know what team never gets on TV fan. Brighton fan. Brighton and Hove Albion fan. You get to watch your team just a bit more, um, which I think is all the better. Mm. I mean, for me, the main question is, should we be coming back now? Because I don't, th- I don't think we should. I think it might be a bit too early. I feel like this is being rushed back. But well, how, before how about, I delve into my coronavirus-related opinions, I want to know what you guys think. How about this? For, for, this is my opinion. Uh, these are footballers that are living more in a bubble than the people involved in any other job on Earth. Mm. I mean, they have they have top scientists and doctors testing them for how many of the club staff all the way to the players have coronavirus once every week. And every single week we get different uh, sort of information about who has contracted the coronavirus in that last week and who hasn't. So in that respect, you know, what, what you're getting there is regular information, the, the like of which, you know, only really hospitals can compete with. So I would say it's fine to come back because you've got a, you've got a safe environment. Uh, but I understand those that are more hesitant. Mm. I think one of the Premier League players said this is the safest I've felt for a while now because I'm being tested twice a week. So, yeah, I, I don't have any worries for safety either. Um, ve- clubs are investing hundreds of thousands of pounds into testing. There's not going to be any. Millions. Millions. Millions, yeah. Hundreds yeah, I mean, of thousands of pounds a week. I mean, the point that I've got is when I'm looking at other sports, other footballing countries, Germany's obviously doing a very good job at the moment, but I turn to another sport that obviously I follow a lot, which is cricket and how the England cricket team, they've just announced a 55-man squad today, but they're just going to lock them all down in a, in a, in a hotel. Um, so they are coronavirus-free. They can't be infected. Um, and they can always lock them down a bit more if someone does. But it means they can go back to training without the risk. And I'm thinking footballers could just do the same. Every team could just go into lockdown in a in a hotel if they wanted to, or just go into full quarantine at home, and meaning they can't meet anyone else other than the people from the footballing world. But is I it wouldn't... more important to finish the season, regardless, than to just have the season that's somewhat desirable? If you've got footballers who are training in a hotel, that's so far different from what they're used to. You've also got no fans in the stadium, and that. We know that that's affected the Bundesliga. We've had we've had some crazy high-scoring games. We've had some. If you've watched the Bundesliga, a lot of these games have been so many awful defensive decisions, <laughs> like like square passes and like goal line scrambles. Mm. The the kind of things that your manager and the crowd would would snap out of you if they were if they were there and could be heard. But you know, I, I wonder whether actually. Is it, is it a case that we've just got to get it done? It does seem like that's what the officials think, and that's okay. Or is it more important to preserve the quality of the product rather than the maybe the fairness of a 38-game season? I, my opinion on this is a little uh, different because while I think that um, Germany are doing a pretty decent job, They've also got a hell of a lot less coronavirus over there right now than we do here. It's like we're like we're still, lots of people are still dying, so I don't think we should be coming back right now. Mm. Um, like like it's still like over a hundred deaths every day comfortably. It's still hovering around five hundred, I believe. 
Um, but aside from that, I don't think it's quite that big at the moment. Aside from that, I think the reason why I think that it shouldn't come back yet is because they're still going to be putting things into place that are going to make it not quite the football we know and love. So, like, like silly little things like not celebrating and, like, trying to stay as part, apart from people as far as po- much as possible. What, what If we're not going to be able to play the game as as it is then I don't really see much point in bringing it back. I'll take you up on not celebrating. I don't know if you saw Joshua Kimmich <laughs> against Borussia Dortmund, but I would count that as celebrating. Yeah, I, th- yeah. I, think, I think that They've was celebrating. Celeb- They've all been celebrating. Yeah, they've the all Bundesliga. been celebrating. And actually, going back to the bit about hotels and training in hotels, a lot of the football clubs out there have hotels based at the stadium. I mean, currently the Chelsea one's being used for the NHS, but so you couldn't really use that one. But it's... A case of, I just think football is very, very cautious. And you think for the amount of money that's in that game, it's it's almost a service to the country if they were to, you know, go back to sport because it just you know the morale boost of having football to watch again means so much to so many. When you know, let's be honest, the footballing world has not been in the best of light recently with a number of players breaking lockdown rules. It's. I, I can understand players who don't want to go back for safety reasons, and Golo Kante, Troy Deeney, for instance. But yeah, for other players, it's you know, it's their job, and a lot of other people are going back to work anyway, in far more dangerous conditions. Um, and given that they have the ability to test them twice a week, I, I don't see why not anymore. And with the standard of football, I think that the amount of goals that are going in in the Bundesliga has nothing to do with crowds and uh, stadiums being empty. I think it has more to do with the fact they haven't played in two months and defending is probably a harder art to remaster having yeah. two months off than, than shooting and scoring. Because shooting and scoring, players can do in their back garden. Defending against um, Bayern Munich is impossible in any sense, especially <laughs> after eight months off. Yeah. Eight weeks yeah. we've seen, Sorry, eight weeks. We, we, we've seen defences suffering in the Bundesliga over the last couple of weeks. I think that is entirely fair to say that it's pr- it's easier to easier to practice attacking than it is defending. Mm. Uh, you're completely right. So I think, well, for the neutral, it's going to be more entertaining, right? It's going to be more goals. Mm. Can't wait to watch Arsenal beat Man City 5-0. Oh wait, no, that's just not happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and well, another thing we saw in the Bundesliga was it kind of threw form out the window a little bit. I, the highlight that I can think of is in the Zwei Bundesliga. The first match we watched back was Bochum versus Heidenheim, and yes. Heidenheim were a team chasing promotion, and Bochum were a team fighting relegation. And it looked like it was the complete opposite way around. How much did Bochum win by in the end? Three now. Three now. Mm. I mean, was, the, mm. the same the same can be said for Mr. Woodward's favourite team, Hertha Berlin. They've, they've really turned it around. It's St. Pauli. I uh, I thought you would know that by now. Like, oh I, no, I, I do know you. I do know. No, your favourite team is St. Pauli, then Onion me. Berlin. Right, okay. But as in your ironically, <laughs> your ironically favourite team. I'll be honest. I don't know if you noticed on uh, when did they last play Wednesday. 
a Julian Nagelsmann was about as pure as you can be with Rassenball Sports Leipzig's performance, and he is rightfully so. And B, was the goalkeeper trying to throw the game against Hertha? Because I can't explain that goalkeeping otherwise. <laughs> yeah, well... Oh, I've got done... the ball. Oh, I've thrown it into the net. Oh, my bad. They've done, it pr- they've done pretty well so far since returning. I think they've had two quite comfortable wins against Wolfsburg and somebody else who's... I can't remember on the first game back. Um, Schalke have uh, been shocking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Schalke have been completely hopeless. Schalke have been all over the shop. Um, what's, what's on our... Um itinerary next is it um going over our teams or is it doing the quiz uh teams right um but firstly let's just let's just round off this part of the show um with a question of who do you think is going to do best once we come back Uh, i just like like, t- a team that you wouldn't be expecting to do that well, that now, after the break, you think might surprise a few people. Spurs. Spurs, well. Spurs will have injuries that have come back from injury that we thought they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't have those players. So Harry Kane will be back, so mm. that's a fair, yeah. fair uh, suggestion. I think Chelsea might look a bit stronger because they had a bit of an injury crisis just before the break, but suddenly they're going to be at full pelt again. Um, with Pulisic returning and a number of others returning. Um, but I think the quite obvious choice will be actually, I think Man City are going to be exceptionally strong. Mm. Um, I could see that. Man United were in phenomenal form before lockdown. I wonder whether they might drop off it a bit, but you know, this, this is only predictions. You, you never do know, do you? Mm. We've, got, we've got no evidence to suggest it. Um, Everton were on a good roll. I don't know how well they'll do. Uh, they could be easily taken to the taken to the cleaners by Liverpool in their second game back. Um, I think we really should be the, the relegation teams are the ones that actually might be more interesting. I'd actually be interested to see how West Ham get on. Um, they've got quite a good attacking line and and no defence. Um, and you never know; there might be some opportunities for them uh, to you know get a few goals here and there. Mm. I think one team that I personally am thinking might do quite well coming back from this is actually Norwich. They're sitting at the bottom of the league right now, but um, I think we've seen in other areas around, well, the Bundesliga, that teams uh, towards the bottom of leagues that aren't afraid to go out and attack the teams that they play against and play without fear can actually do quite well when defences are shaky just coming back and Norwich's defence was shaky to start with so I don't know uh, unless you're Paderborn yeah I've about to say I don't know if you've been looking at Paderborn because Paderborn are Paderborn Norwich or, or mm. Werder Berlin to be honest they may they may have got a point Werder Berlin Werder Bremen I'm having a mess <laughs> Werder Bremen I think Werder, Werder Berlin I'd love to mm. see that happen Werder Bremen are a bad example of what I'm talking about because Werder Bremen just kind of aren't very good um, at the minute I but. think Villa are in trouble. They are a squad of players that don't really fit together well at all. And I think they're going to really struggle. Mm. I think Villa's chances um, depend on Jack Grealish and whether or not they've got John McGinn back, basically. Mm, I agree. And I'm not sure if they've got John McGinn back. 
<laughs> I'll be honest. I think they will. I think he will be back. That's good. Because when he was originally injured, first thing people were talking about is whether he'd be available for um, the March qualif- uh, like qualifying playoffs for the European Championships, where mm. Scotland, I think, had... Uh, was it Israel, I think? Um <clears throat> Which obviously will still be rescheduled. We don't know when yet. But the point is, I think he was still going to be okay for the Euros. So by my maths, now that we are at Euros kind of time, he'll be all right. Mm. Yeah, I think for me, Jack Grealish and John McGinn at the heart of Villa's midfield were what really made them tick as a team. So having them back is going to do them the world of good. But let's move on to the Carrers team, unless anyone else has anything they want to chuck in. No, but I can explain the rules if you'd like to hear them. Go ahead. So the rule for our Carras team, which is, if you haven't seen, it's a, it's a Twitter thing that Jamie Carrig has been doing. Uh, the former England and Liverpool defender, not that he cared about playing for England, and he said that himself. A disgusting man. <laughs> um, here's the rules for the team. Uh, you've got to do a, a Dream 11 of current Premier League players, <clears throat> but each club and each country can only feature once. And every player has got to be either below the age of 20 or over the age of 29, uh, i.e. not in their 20s. Yes, and this was, we've discovered, quite hard. It was. <laughs> there are some positions that are just impossible to do. Mm. So we will start, and the way we're going to do this is Harry, Dom and I will read out our player for each position going through the team and then Alex will decide whose pick is best. Um, we will also just clarify that each of our teams are take, using a 4-3-3 formation, though some of them with the players picked might end up looking a little bit more like a 4-2-3-1. Okay, who wants to start? We'll start with the goalkeeper. Go ahead, and we'll, start, we'll start with Lukas Fabianski, the 35-year-old Polish goalkeeper from West Ham. He may have gone down with Swansea, but he is one of the better players, I think, to have been relegated in recent years. Despite injuries at West Ham, I think he's still one of the most underrated goalkeepers in the league, maybe Europe even. Um, At his age, he still does very well. Mm. I've gone with Hugo Lloris, a late change I made. Uh, I realised I didn't have Tottenham featuring and I also didn't have France. So that's how I've gone with Hugo Lloris. It's a pretty good start for me, I think. And I've gone with Martin Dubravka of Newcastle and Slovakia. He is a really underrated goalkeeper. He does really quite well at the de- for protecting that Newcastle back line and is just generally really good. Um, I'm not going to argue that he's better than Lloris because Lloris is um, the captain and starting goalkeeper for France, arguably the best te- national team in the world at the minute. Um, yeah. And um, I, but I will argue that he's better than Lucas Fabianski, who is 35 and rather injury prone at this point in his career. But I don't think we. Sh- yeah, I think we should probably just get to the end and look at the teams on paper, which is probably the fairest way to assess. Because mm-hmm. you know, it's it's not necessarily the case that you could have even had Lloris. I'm sp- I'm gonna yeah. guess that you've got other players that would deem him yes. eligible. Yes, I do. Um, but um, Alex, if you can have the pick, your pick of those three players, who would you have? So, so I don't have to worry about the rules, right? I just have um, to pick no, my favourite player. No, you're just player. picking on a uh, position by I, position. 
if it was this year, probably Depravka. Mm. Probably. I think points that's fair. Yeah. And, 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 and I'm going to score us. I'm going to give us all points because that makes it more fun. So let's go on to right back. I've gone with my Man City choice and England as well. I've gone with Kyle Walker, who is just, as of yesterday when we're recording, uh, 30 years of age. Um, I've gone with um, Seamus Coleman of Everton and Republic of Ireland fame. Uh, a really, really great right back who was arguably the best right back in the league as of about five years ago. Injuries have hampered him since then, but he's come back strong and is still a solid option, st- Everton's starting option at right back. I've also gone with Seamus Coleman, the 31 year old right back, I think was. The best right back for many years up until his uh, very tragic uh, leg break in the international game for Ireland. Um, and yeah, that's who I've gone for. Alex, what do you think? I mean, if I'm just picking the best, this isn't very hard. Mm. Kyle Walker. Okay. Fair enough. <clears throat> Let's go on to right-sided centre-half. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I've, I've gone with uh, Croatian and Liverpool player. Uh, Dan Lovren. Um, I've gone with Spurs and Belgian player Jan Vertonghen. Though that's more of a left-sided player than a right-sided player. Uh, I've also gone with Lovren. So, I, actually, let me change that. I've gone with Man City in Spain option. Eric Garcia, Jan Vertonghen is my other-sided centre-back. So he'd be our first... He'd be the first pick that's not 20 yet, wouldn't he? Yeah. Yes. So what, what are we thinking out of... Uh, Lovren or Garcia, um, Alex? Oh, out of Lovren and Garcia? Yeah. Um, well, on the grounds that... And I'm sorry, I'm a bit biased. I absolutely cannot stand Dejan Lovren. You are kidding me. You're going to give the point to Garcia, aren't you? Yeah. I just don't like him. <laughs> but he's better. He's clearly... Okay, fine. Fine, fine. Yeah, it's but he rules. thinks he's too good. He thinks he's even better than that. Yeah, but Cristiano Ronaldo thinks he's better than it is. he is. But he's still flipping good. Yeah, but I'm not going to argue. Dejan Lovren should be he should be on the list of the best centre backs in the world. Remember, <laughs> yeah, according to him, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, two days after he said that, he did come up against Sergio Ramos and beat him with Croatia. So fair enough, he has he has balls. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, let's move on to the left side of centre back. We already know who mine is. It's Jan Vertonghen. What about you guys, Harry? I've gone with Fernandez, the 31-year-old centre-back uh, from Argentina who plays at Newcastle. Probably one of their better players this season and on the fancy football app, he has many points. I've gone with Leicester City's Northern Irish veteran, uh, Johnny Evans. So, who, who are we out of there? Evans? Um, Evans yeah, Johnny Evans. Federico Fernandez. Johnny Evans. Okay, left-back. Slightly biased again because he's in my fancy team and he's doing quite well. <laughs> Left okay, back. left left back. I'll start. I've gone with uh, Matt Ritchie, Newcastle United and Scotland. I've gone with Eric Peters, the um, Dutch Burnley player. And I've gone with Jan Vertonghen, uh, 33-year-old, because he actually plays at left-back occasionally and has done under Mourinho and tends to for the national team. So I stuck him at left-back. He scored in the Champions League against Dortmund uh, last season from left-back. So, yeah. Yeah. So you can, he's a left-back, technically, as well. So I put him at left-back. So I think it's pretty clear who wins there. It's Vertonghen, isn't it, Alex? Yeah. Okay. 
It's the first man I've actually got on the team. Yeah, Harry's Yay! <laughs> so Let's now move. it gets a bit complicated mm. because in midfield, some of us are playing one holding and two two attackers, and some of us are playing the other way around. Uh, so I, I'm playing with two uh, more defensive midfielders. What about everyone else? Um, I'm also playing with two more defensive midfielders. I'm the risky one who's gone with two attacking midfielders. Okay, so let's hear let's hear your. Um, how are we going to do this? Um, if we, I'll do we my all defensive. Go with our, if we all go with one of our defensive midfield picks first. Okay. So, so pick yeah. one of your defensive midfield picks and then say it, and then Harry will have to pick his more the more defensive of his two attacking midfield picks to go along with our other other pick. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. So uh, Harry, after you. I have gone with Nemanja Matic, the ex-Chelsea player, now playing at Man United. is 31 years of age from Serbia, and I think he's probably still okay. I've gone with Etienne Capou of Watford and France, who once upon a time was a bit dodgy for Spurs. Then he moved to Watford and has been a pretty decent mid-table CDM for the last five or so years. And I've also gone with uh, Harry here. I've gone with uh, Matic uh, from uh, Man United and Serbia. So Matic and Kapu, I think that's, again, pretty obvious. My argument against Matic would be he's got no legs. Mm, I mean, yeah. he's had a very underwhelming season. Mm. He has. Uh, yeah, he's barely from played. a quick <laughs> skim of, the, of his starts. I have but no let... idea how Etienne Kapu's been doing. Um, Etienne Kapu's been uh, Alex, playing l- pretty regularly. Alex, let's say you've you've uh, you've got a Sunday League team, and one of them's going to be joining. Who would you rather have, Nemanja Matic or Etienne Capoue? <laughs> um, Capoue. That's nonsense. What? Okay. <laughs> that is I, nonsense. I have no clue how Nemanja Matic has been is still in Man United. It's because it's Man United, and they can't sign anybody. Okay, that's a fair enough analysis. It's more like they can't sell his absolutely massive wages. Well, that, that as well. They can't oh, actually, sell anybody. Oh, no, I've just looked at Kapoor's stats. No, never mind. No, <laughs> Matic is better. Get in. Right, Kapoor let's hasn't go done this. anything this year of any note at all. And Watford are facing relegation prospects. Mm. All of his stats are 0 0 0 0 0 0 0 goals. Oh, no, there's no assists, actually, never mind. But still, he's done nothing. He has done nothing. Let's go on to the second holding for me and okay. Alex and uh, an attacker for you. So I've gone with uh, Carlos Sanchez, West Ham and Colombia. I've gone with Billy Gilmore of Chelsea in Scotland. Okay, and because I know one player is probably dead certain to be both of your attacking midfielders, actually, no, not Alex's attacking midfielder, I'm going to go with the other one. I'm going to go with Jean Moutinho, Portuguese midfielder, Wolves, aged 33. I've been enjoying Moutinho. Yeah, you've got the point. Played, Harry. Okay, let's go on to all of our attacking midfielders then. I've gone with Gilfie Sigurdsson, Everton and Iceland. I've gone with uh, Vrancic of Norwich and Bosnia and Herzegovina. And I've gone with the one that... Yeah, I've currently gone with the top trump that beats you all with David Silva, Spanish midfielder, Man City, 34. I mean, Fair enough. It's it's obviously got. To, I don't you know. I can't even remember who Alex said now. Yeah, David Silva. <laughs> it's yeah, got to be Gilfie Sigurdsson. Yeah, no, it's it, not. So <laughs> Harry with the clean sweep of the midfield, which is yep. yeah. Now yeah, but wait, wait till three. his wait till his team are being counted at, upon. Then our teams are going to come into their own, aren't they? <laughs> He's got no defense at all. Mm. 
Right, let's go anyway. into the front three. Um, who have we got on the right wing? I've got Willian, Brazil, and Chelsea. I've got Andre Yarmolenko of West Ham and Ukraine. I have also gone with Willian from Chelsea. Uh, he's 31 from Brazil, and I think he makes um, a good addition down the right-hand side in a league where we actually lack a few right-sided players. Hmm. Yeah, Willian. Okay, left winger. I've gone with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, Arsenal, Gabon. I've also gone with a 30-year-old Arsenal uh, forward. He can play on the left, he can play down the middle. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is the obvious choice for me. Going with a, um uh, Arsenal player seems to be the theme, except that I haven't gone with the older player. I've gone with the 19-year-old Gabriel Martinelli. He's I'm a good player, go but he's going to lose. Yeah. And the strikers. This is where I get absolutely blown out of the park and you will laugh at my choice. <laughs> Sam Vokes, Burnley, <laughs> Wales. This is where we start to blow oh, you out of the park. This is the reason I didn't go with Kyle Walker and I went with James Coleman is so I could put, I think, the best player at the moment on form above the age of 30, Jamie Vardy, England, Leicester. And I've gone with Jamie Vardy as well to lead my line. Vokes getting Sam me the Vokes point. used to play for Leeds. So, no, Jamie Vardy. <laughs> <laughs> so, first of all, let's count up our points and then let's just uh, repeat our teams from um, goalkeeper to striker and he'll, and Alex will pick an overall team. Okay, so totting it up, um, I have been absolutely destroyed. I've only got one. Um, I know I've only got three. Um, Dom, you've got... Five. Yep. And <laughs> Harry... <laughs> Has got one, two, three, four, five, six. He's oh, I got, I got seven. I've got seven. Go got for Tongan at left back. No, that, that that's six. that doesn't oh, work, yeah, mate. Seven. What? One, two, Silver, three, Matic, Matinho, William, Vardy, Abamyang, for Tongan. Yeah, wow. Yeah, he's absolutely blown. That's what he gets for coming position. on the sports splits. Harry has <laughs> chosen every single player since um, the left back burr. So fair play, Harry. Um, mm. Now let's run through our teams once more As Harry was the winner he can go first So in goal I've got Lucas Fabianski from West Ham Then at right back Seamus Coleman from Everton And my centre back pairings of Liverpool's Dejan Lovren And Fernandez from Newcastle On the left side I've got Jan Vertonghen from Spurs Then my defensive midfielder I've got Nemanja Matic And my two forward midfielders are David Silva and Xiaomutinho From Man City and Wolves respectively then leading the line on the right, I have William on the left, Aubameyang, and down the middle, Jamie Vardy. And my team has got Martin Dubravko of Newcastle in goal, Seamus Coleman on the right-hand side of the defence, Eric Garcia and Jan Vertonghen as the two centre-backs, with Eric Peters of Burnley on the left. Etienne Capu and Billy Gilmore hold down the centre of midfield with Mar with Mario Vrancic in front of them. Yarmolenko on the right, Martinelli on the left, and Jamie Vardy through the middle. I've gone with Lloris in goal. My fullbacks are Walker and Ritchie. In the middle, I've got Lovren and Evans. Holding midfielder, uh, Matic and uh, Sanchez. Attacking midfielder, Sigurdsson. Right wing, William. Left wing, or Bamiang, striker Vokes. If you've ever seen me build a side on Football Manager, you'll know I go attacking first. We will just try and score one more than you. And on them grounds, I'm going to have to go with Harry's side. 
Well done, yeah. Harry. Clean sweep. Okay, it's now time for Alex Woodward's legendary football quiz. Alex, what have you got in store for us this week? Legendary is really pushing it, but this week I've got notable endings to Premier League and one Division One season. Uh, this was meant to be done when it was meant to be the last week of the season a couple of weeks ago, but instead we're going to do it now because I think it's a good idea for a quiz. And I'm going to go in reverse chronological order, so we'll start with the most recent uh, and work our way down to the earliest. Okay, let's clarify how this is going to work. Instead of doing a buzzer format, Alex is going to read out all the questions, we will then write down our answers to all the questions, and then at the end we will run through the questions again and give our answers. So, Alex, right, oh, and by the way, there is another... There's another bonus question this week, which I'm going to leave to the end because it is much more difficult than the rest of them, as per Lovely. usual. Okay, so Perfect. Alex, when you're ready to go. Okay, we'll start with the opening question, and by far the easiest. Who scored the goals for Manchester City as they beat QPR 3-2 on the last day of the 2011-12 Premier League season? All the goals, or just the last goal? All of the goals. All of the goals. Three points on offer. Question two. How many did Chelsea put past Wigan on the last day of the 2009-10 season? Roy Hodgson pulled off a miracle as he kept which side up in 2008 with a last day victory away at Portsmouth? I'll be honest, Harry, you should remember this better than everyone else because we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We did. We did. I, it was one of two teams, and I can't remember which one it was. Meanwhile, the title race that season went down to the wire as Manchester United beat which side to win the Premier League for the third time in a row? Essentially, I remember it because I remember where they lifted the trophy. Okay, who scored the only goal of the game to keep West Ham up at the end of the 2006-07 season against Manchester United? And bonus point for who went down instead. Who scored the only goal of the game to keep West Ham United up at the end of the 2006-07 season against Manchester United and a bonus point for who went down instead? Tottenham came up just short on a Champions League place in 2005-06 by losing 2-1 to West Ham on the last day of the season. The alleged reason was a bit interesting though. What was the game called in the aftermath? Okay, 2004-05 had one of the greatest last days that we've seen in the Premier League. No team had been mathematically relegated going into the last game. Southampton, Norwich and Crystal Palace went down, but who survived? And bonus point for what was special about their survival. I think all four teams that were under threat of relegation that day were all at one point out of the relegation places as well. Jasper Gronchar, Gronchar, I guess, Gronchire, I not a clue, scored the goal known as what for Chelsea at the end of the 2002-03 season. I'm not going to lie, I think I've done very poorly in this. I thought I'd done well early on, but no, these have got harder. One of the funniest moments in Premier League history for me, which team ran out the clock to draw against Liverpool, not realising they needed to win to survive in 1996? 
It is one of the single funniest moments I've ever seen. You weren't born, were you? I've watched it since. Premier League years. Yeah, Premier League years. I'd pretty much know next to nothing about the Premier League if it wasn't for Premier League years. Who lost to Liverpool on the last day of the 94-95 season but still won the Premier League? Who stunned Liverpool at Anfield, scoring in the closing seconds to win 2-0 and to snatch the title on the last day of the 1988-89 season? If, if you have a Sky subscription, you'll know the answer because they've been harping on about it for the, every day for the last month. I mean, this won't help at all, but I know who scored because it's the same as he's got the same name as a Saints wide receiver. Like that's going to help me. Yeah. <laughs> Despite educating Harry on the sports splits, I still don't know every person in the NFL. Uh, do you want to do the bonus question first, or do you want to go through let's, the answers? Let's do the, yeah, bonus. do the bonus. Do the bonus. Okay. How did Carlisle United's match on the last day of the Division 3 1998-99 season against Plymouth end? It is one of the most infamous moments in the history of the Football League. And that was, I believe, the final question. Harry, should we go back to the top and run through the answers? Right, so who were the three scorers for Man City against QPR back in 2011-12? Well, uh, my answers are Aguero, Jeco, and I can't remember the third, so I've gone with Micah Richards. I've gone Aguero, Jeco to Carlos Tevez. Aguero, Balotelli and Carlos Tevez. So obviously Aguero scored the winning goal and in Dzeko scored the goal in the 90, was it the 92nd minute? Mm. And the first goal, I think his only goal for the club was Pablo Zabaleta. Huh. Of course it was. Of course it was. Oh, okay. Okay, two points then if you got two, right? Yeah, yeah, point per correct answer. How many did Chelsea put past Wigan on the last day of the 09 10 season? Eight. Oh, six. I went with seven. It's eight, I think. It was Chelsea eight, Wigan nil, yes. Oh. We're all looking forward to a really tense finish to the Premier League. No, no, didn't happen. Roy Hodgson pulled off a miracle as he kept which side up in 2008 with a last day victory away at Portsmouth. Fulham. Fulham? Was it Birmingham? It was Fulham. When did Roy Hodgson manage Birmingham in your world? He would never know. do that. He would never do that. Managed West Brom. That's the closest he ever got. Uh, yeah, they beat Man City 3-2 the week before, which was quite dramatic, and then beat Fulham on the last... Uh, beat Portsmouth, sorry, on the last day. It was one of the great escapes in the Premier League. The title race that season also went down to why. Who did Man United beat on the last day? No idea. Hull? Oh, sorry, I Hull I Sunderland. Arsenal. Hull, Sunderland, no idea. Wigan. Because I always remember them lifting the oh. trophy for DW. I think they won 2-1, if I remember correctly, or 2-0. And, of course, Chelsea drew one all with Bolton, which meant it didn't matter. Well, it did matter. Obviously, they needed to draw, but anyway... So who scored the only goal of the game to keep West Ham up at the end of the 06-07 season? Carlos Mark, Tevez and they relegated Sheffield United. I'm Carlos Tevez, Mark Noble. I've gone with Julian Faubert. <laughs> <laughs> I think they relegated Wolves. Wolves were not in the Premier League that season. Go on, oh. what was it then, mate? It was Carlos Tevez who scored the only goal of the game and they relegated Sheffield United who were playing at home to Wigan. If I remember correctly as well... Amazing, the, Alex. Well done. Wigan, yeah, I, I scored, Wigan scored via the penalty from that, that left... Stephen Unsworth, 
who had just joined them from Sheffield United in the January transfer window. Oof. Well yeah. done, Neil Warnock. I, I remember that one because it is pretty famous because basically Sheffield United sued West Ham for yeah. it. Because they Carlos lost a complaint. Was um, acquired via um, dodgy like means. Third party ownership. Yes. And yeah, did they sue for something like 50 million or something like that? Something, it was right, a really know. ridiculous figure and the Football League and FA just told them to go away. <laughs> anyway, one. Tottenham came up just short by losing 2-1 to West Ham on the last Sevio 506 season. What was the game later called? Now, I remember what this was for, but I can't remember what they called it, so I've just guessed. Is it Lasagna Gate? I put Punch Gate, because it was West Ham. Sorry, West Ham fans. <laughs> I've gone with the miracle of White Hart Lane, which just sounds lovely, doesn't it? Well, I'll be honest. A, it wouldn't be a miracle if they'd missed out. B, it wasn't at White Hart Lane. It was Lasagna Gate, yes. It was yeah. the day before. I think it was 10 members of the Tottenham side came down with food poisoning. Oh, or what no. they thought was food poisoning. Could only they came out. They were yeah. throwing up in the dressing room before the game. <laughs> and um, it I, turns I, out... I'm oh, gone. Yeah, I just remember it being dodgy lasagna. Yeah, it turns out, though, it was neurovirus. It had nothing to do with the lasagna. Mm. Though the hotel was put under police investigation. Yikes. Mm. Okay, number seven. Okay. 2004-05 had one of the greatest last days. Who survived? Charlton, I'm going to go with. Charlton as well. I've gone with Sunderland. Charlton were involved in this. They played Crystal Palace, I believe, on the last day. But it was West Brom who survived. Ah. What was special about their survival? Um, I have no idea because with Sunderland I put something something Roy Keane. Oh, is this the great? Is this the great escape? With this um, is the great the escape. escape. Do I get a point for that? I uh, no. <laughs> no. Get West Brom. No, you didn't get West Brom. Okay, forget it. Anyone know the reason why then? Um, they were like he's, they were like so many points adrift with like so many yeah. games to go. I don't know. When no, they, like, last the, in January or something. That's close, but it's not quite right. They were the first team to survive after being bottom at Christmas, oh. which everyone said was impossible. You'd never be able to re- survive after that, and they did. And they were quite adrift at the bottom at Christmas as well. It wasn't like they were one point behind 17th. Right. So, so far, I've got one point. <laughs> I've got more than Brilliant. That. Jasper, Jasper Gronkar scored the goal known as what for Chelsea at the end of the 2002-03 season. The miracle of White Hart Lane. <laughs> <laughs> I've no idea. So in the my goal head, that won the goal's it. called Steve. <laughs> Steve. <laughs> the game and the goal will forever be known as Steve. I put the goal that won it. No, it was the goal that got them into the Champions League, which is why Roman Abramovich bought them, and it came known as the billion-pound goal. With a B. Wow. Which team ran out the clock to draw against Liverpool, not realising they needed a win to survive? Coventry. Coventry. I've got with Crystal Millwall. Palace because it sounds like a very Crystal, Crystal Palace, Palace thing to do. Mil- Sorry, who said Millwall? I said Millwall. In '96, in the Premier know. League. I wasn't born then. When were Millwall in the Premier League? I reckon it's either Coventry or Luton. I, I bet were. it's Luton, isn't it? You're close with Coventry purely on the basis of colour. It was Manchester City. Oh. 
<laughs> needed a win. So a fan had told them they needed a draw. So they kept the ball in the corner. And then somebody figured out in the last few minutes they actually needed a win. <laughs> and you can see the moment where it clicks with the Man City players as they suddenly go from holding the ball up to desperately attacking. It's absolutely That's brilliant. So brilliant. Okay, who lost to Liverpool on the last day of the 94-95 season but still won the Premier League? I think Sky did the full 90 minutes replay of this recently. I'm going to guess Blackburn Rovers. Oh, it was Arsenal. It was Blackburn, wasn't it? It was Blackburn Rovers, yes. For some reason I had it in my head that they won it in 96, so I went with Man United. No, Man United drew one all away at West Ham on that day, Mm. and Blackburn lost 2-1. Yeah, I'm doing okay. really well. At yeah, like, as soon as he said Blackburn, I was like, "Yeah, that's right." Mm. <laughs> Who stunned Liverpool at Anfield, scoring the close in the closing seconds to win two 0 and snatch the title on the last day of the eighty-eight, eighty-nine season? Man United. Man United. No idea. Newcastle so United. Newcastle's a shout. I went with Leeds because I have no idea. I think Newcastle only came second, but I, I wouldn't swear to it. It was Arsenal, Michael Thomas scoring in the 92nd minute. Arsenal went into the game second with Liverpool in first. They needed to win by two Mm. clear goals and got the final goal in the 92nd minute to win the league. I know it wasn't Man United because I I remember before Ferguson arrived, they hadn't won the league in like 18 years or something like that. I think it was longer than that. I think it was 30-odd. A long yeah. time, at least. It yeah. A, yeah, it was a long time. And finally, the hard question. The hard, oh, hard question. I think How I did Carlisle United's match on the last day of a Division 3 1998-99 season against Plymouth Argyle finish? No, Tony no. Blair it... ran onto the pitch and celebrated his 1997 general election victory. <laughs> Do you know what that spot? No, it's not. <laughs> I have a funny feeling. Wasn't there just stoppage time mayhem? And there was goals all over the place at different grounds and no. offsides as well? And then suddenly it ended up no, was a goal at Lincoln or something. Something specific happened at Carlisle United's game. Someone it scored. A, it was was it an own goal? Was it a no? Fan? It was. Oh no! It was Jamie Vardy. It was Jamie Vardy. Oh no! There's not too long ago. In 1999. I thought we were doing this recently. <laughs> My head's all over the place. It seems to this quiz today. <laughs> no. What is it going on? Last last seen... minute. Carlisle need a win against Plymouth to survive. Yeah. Goalkeeper Jimmy Glass comes up for the corner and he scores to keep Carlisle United in the Football League and relegate Scarborough. It's one of the most famous moments in Football League history. Scarborough? Yeah, Scarborough got relegated. But they were in the... I didn't even know they were that high up. I thought that one was the one when Carlisle got relegated. No, Carlisle stayed up. Because the Jeff Stelling one where they got relegated is the one I've seen. And that was on Sky Sports, you know, News HQ or whatever it's, it was called right. then. Uh, Saturday Soccer Special. Um, and it was basically, it was Plymouth involved again or something like that. Mm. And it was a goal, um, Carlisle scored, and they looked like they were going to win. And then there was a goal away at a different ground. And then it was full time. And it was just like everything fell apart for Jeff. Well, if I remember correctly, um, Scarborough already on the pitch celebrating because the Carlisle game overran and then they found out that Jimmy Glass, the keeper, had scored from the corner to keep Carlisle up. What If you can, watch the Carlisle United commentary because it's absolutely like the, brilliant. That sounds like the most celebrating in the Ferrari garage in 2008 in Brazil. Yeah, it was heard. kind of like that. There we go then, boys. 
So what Shall were our we final a- scores? Yeah, let's do the scores. I'll, st- I'll start, because I think I've come comfortably last. I got one. <laughs> you got more than one, didn't you? You got two on the first question. No, I got Aguero. Didn't. No, he, I didn't get didn't. any others. I peaked too early. <laughs> <laughs> you got... Yeah, the only point you got was Aguero. That's brilliant. That Imagine brilliant. if I didn't get that. that would been, okay, that's I impressive. Got, I got five. And I got six. No! Well oh. done, Towels. Oh, no. In fact, well I did mate. trash you all got, at, the, uh, yeah. at, the, at the actual carriage challenge. Got Aguero, Dzeko, Fulham, Tevez and Sheffield United, and, Le- and Lasagna Gate, and that's it. I got Aguero, Dzeko, eight goals for Chelsea, Fulham, and Blackburn Rovers. All right. Brilliant. Well, well done, right. everyone, except Harry, because he got one point. And with that, we come to the end of this week's episode of A Beautiful Pod. Thank you very much to Harry Dennis. At least I won the camera challenge. <laughs> Dom Smith. Thank you very much. And Alex Woodward. I need to make easier quizzes next time. For coming on the show. We'll be back in two weeks' time discussing something. Probably Premier League related. The show premieres every other Saturday at 3pm on urwhite.org.uk. And after each episode has aired, it'll be available as live on the OpTap part of the site or on a slightly longer cut form under podcasts. If you want to get in touch, you can follow at News on Twitter, as well as the general URY account at URY1350 for more lovely URY content. And if two weeks is too long, then you can get your football fix by listening to Ein Schöner's Vorspiel every single Saturday at 2pm or on Tuesdays at 6pm, there's the Sports Blitz. Thank you very much for listening and we'll be back in two weeks time. Bye.